Dead man. Dead man walking. We got a dead man walking here. Hello and welcome to Dead Man Walking, the podcast series that follows along things that are going on with uh, Christ Community Church. And to allow you to be thinking about the scripture that either Blake has been talking about or whoever's been uh, up on stage behind the pulpit talking about, um, as well as what we're talking about in community groups. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that we need to be thinking about whatever is holy, whatever is pure, and whatever is good. And whenever we're thinking about scripture and, and his word every day, uh, that can only mean good things for us and how we deal with our day day-to-day situations and how we can stay focused on the cross and stay focused on um, the joy that we can have in Christ. And so today we are going to be continuing that series. We're looking at Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 31 and the topic is justification. With me today I have Dave Sullivan who is actually one of CCC's pastor elders. How are you doing Dave? I'm doing great. How are you Daniel? I'm good. So for those of you who don't know Dave, um, Dave, how long have you been a member at Christ Community? Oh, gosh, let's see. I think I've been a member at the church. Uh, I want to say either six and a half or seven years. So at least six years would be my rough answer. And if you've been a member, think, so six and a half to seven years. So you've been a member from almost yeah. the beginning, right? Yeah, we uh, we really uh, I, we've lived in back. In, I'm from Shelbyville originally. We've lived in back in Shelbyville since '05 after being out of town for a while, and we really tried some church around. We went to church in Frankfurt for a while, and then heard about CCC from some friends, uh, some old friendships that I had growing up. Told us about this new church that was service based and focused, and that seemed like a great fit for us. And really, right around that same time period, I was uh, God gave me an opportunity to move my law practice all the way back to Shelbyville. And so it just seemed like a great time that God provided for us to bring our church home and my work home and everything else all the way back to Shelbyville. So we made the transition at that point and our church in Frankfurt kind of sent us out. And then I connected with Lee Webb and some other leaders at, at CCC right off the bat and just wanted to plug in and get involved right off the bat. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. So for those listeners who may be relatively new, you may see Dave uh, come up to the front and, and greet you um, and do the, the greeting on Sunday morning. You may see him uh, do some announcements or just walking around working with the kids. I know uh, a week or so ago he was in with the youth and dealing with crazy kids all day. So um, you'll see him <laughs> around. Um, but you're also, you know, for a living, you mentioned that you were able to bring your law practice um, back to, to Shelbyville. Um, it's very relevant for the topic of discussion today. We're going to talk about being justified in justification. How long have you been a lawyer? I have been a lawyer. This is going to make me sound like one of the, the old men at CCC, but I graduated from UK law school in the year 2000. So I've been out of law school and practicing law in one way, shape, or form for almost 20 years. It'll be 19 years this fall. Oh, my um, goodness. <laughs> yeah, so um, so if you see me walking around church, just tell me how young I look to make me feel better. So uh, to, but, uh, <laughs> to be fair, I was going to do that. Uh, you caught me off guard by when you graduated from college. Uh, <laughs> yeah. not, not to age me, but I graduated from high school in 2003. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, and, and, and there are stories all over the church like that. And I, 
I always just kind of jokingly and graciously thank all you young people for being willing to hang out with us old folks. So I thank you, Daniel, for, for being, uh, for being so welcoming, but, uh, no. So, uh, I'll give you just a brief snapshot of my legal career. So right out of UK, I took a job with a huge corporate firm that I had clerked for called Dinsmore and Shoal. And I worked up there for about five years in Cincinnati Felt like at that point we started having kids and wanted our home to be where my wife and I are from. She's from LaGrange and I'm from Shelbyville. So I could have just transferred down to Louisville and stayed with the same firm. They have a Louisville office, but I sent resumes out just to see what would happen and got connected with a great Christian partner at the law firm of Stolkeen and Ogden. Worked there for about five years and made partner there. And during those 10 years, I did primarily civil litigation Sorry about that. Civil litigation trial work, um, defending civil lawsuits. So didn't do much criminal work up to that point. I was an elected, I worked for an elected prosecutor for a while that gave me some criminal misdemeanor exposure, but did primarily civil trial work for the first 10 years. Then met my current partner, Alan, actually met his wife, Sally, at a playground uh, before Alan and I had even met. She had mentioned that her husband was a lawyer, and then fast forward about a year after that, um, my son, Jack, was on Allen's law firm's sponsored soccer team, and he and I met. He had talked about how he'd just been working with somebody, but they had moved on to something else, and literally from that first conversation, I just felt like God was in it, that God had led me to this family and, and was leading me and us to jump out of kind of the corporate machine to trust him to be our provider and to partner up with this guy and 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 go for it. So with two kids and a third on the way, my wife and I decided to do that and follow the Lord's lead. And then uh, I guess it would be January of 11. I jumped out on my own without a single client. And here we are nine years later, and God's been good to us and provided and kept the phone ringing. So that's kind of my backstory uh, of my legal career oh, that thus is, far. That is so. an awesome uh, testimony and story because that is a – quite no no pun intended but it is a leap of faith that is a a big thing to to go out and just go after it and and just trust well, in and God. Yeah. I'm, you know super thankful for a faithful god and for a wife that supported me when most people would have kind of scratched their head and said you're talking about doing what you know so that was <laughs> so just just thankful to to just to see how god provides and just keeps writing the story and it's freed me up to to be a lot closer with my kids and their education just because I'm not having to commute to Louisville and a lot freer to do missions work in Honduras and a lot of other things and whatever God has next. So maybe, maybe like so, being, being a part of a church podcast. Yeah. Maybe being, yeah, I've got the flexibility <laughs> to do that now. So yeah, very good. So, so this is very topical and very relevant because the section of scripture that we're talking about is, is something that I'd be curious to get some perspective from someone who's been in the profession that you are in. Because in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31, it talks about being justified. It basically says, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's verses 23 and 24. In other words, saying it's, you know, God gives us that this gift that we don't deserve to pay for the sins um, that we have committed. Jesus does this amazing thing. God sends his son and Jesus dies on the cross for us. And I'm curious for you, from your perspective as someone who deals with law and justice 
and thinking about what is just. I'm sure there's been many a times you've walked away from a, a proceeding and a ruling and thought, well, that wasn't very just. The justice wasn't there. Or sometimes it may be hard to, to see grace in those environments. But when when you hear and you think about the gospel and you think about what Jesus did for us on the cross, obviously there's a huge physical component and, and everything that comes with the, the physical pain that Jesus endured. But when you think about this idea of justification, basically saying, I'm going to stand before the judge and take on whatever the um, the sentence is for you, which in our case is death. You know, we're deserving of death for our sins. And he dies on the cross only to be victorious three days later. How do you think through that as as a law professional? Because regardless of criminal, civil, family, whatever it may be, you don't really see someone step in for somebody else, right? Right. Yeah, you know, it's a great it's a great multi-layered question, you know, the juxtaposition between law and grace and salvation and and it's one that I wrestle with regularly either in my mind or or in practice and just to give you a little bit more about the background. So for the last 9 or 10 years, I have done a lot of family law and criminal defense work. So I think all that is on point and those are some areas that I really had to learn to dig into because the first 10 years I didn't do that. But to answer your question, I think, uh, no, there's really no, and and I think the, the closest analogy is the criminal law, criminal world, criminal defense. I mean, there there's some, uh, I think the fairness issue comes in more frequently in family law because sometimes you'll, you'll make your case or you'll state your client's position and either the established law is not fair or the way the judge heard and applied the facts is not fair and you walk out of there thinking or scratching your head, well, what just happened is not best for my client or for their children or whatever else. Um, but in the criminal world specifically and the concept of justification, yeah, there is no there is no vehicle in the criminal world where somebody can step in and sort of take on the debt or the consequence of your wrong action. That is for sure. And, and in, in thinking about the question, there's really no way to rationalize or reconcile what Jesus did with the criminal system, because what Jesus did for us is irrational. Mm. I mean, it, it was an irrational act of grace and love that we really can't equate to anything in the criminal system. You know, our criminal system is based on justice in name, but it's also based on flawed people. You oh, know, it's based point. on, you know, it's based on people who gather evidence at the grassroots level, uh, you know, in the form of police or enforce evidence through the form of prosecutors or interpret and apply and defend against the evidence like I do. And the ultimate goal, the, the ultimate theoretical goal is the just and right result. But in point of fact, you know, if somebody did something criminal and caused damage, the punishment often doesn't fit the crime because it doesn't make anybody whole. It doesn't justify what they did. It's just kind of a way of exacting a pound of flesh from a wrongdoer in exchange for a wrong action. So there, it really doesn't reach that concept of justification. Whereas if you look at it in the context of Jesus, you know, he irrationally, God the Father irrationally sent his son to die to pay a debt that was not his, and it's literally wiped clean and restored. You know, so it's it's hard to reconcile the concepts, but, uh, yeah, there's no equivalent to what Jesus did in the criminal system. If you do something wrong, somebody can't step in for you and wipe it clean. 
Now, sometimes you, you get some grace from a criminal judge or a family court judge and things work out better than you expected, you know, but very seldom unless somebody, unless some, some person who was gathering or enforcing the evidence did their job wrong, do you walk out with your, with your debt wiped clear, so to speak? Uh, so you're, you're nailing this on the head for me. And I think that's what's beautiful about this is because we know scripture tells us that God's ways are not our ways. And, yeah. and, and, you know, sometimes it also tells us that to try and understand everything that God is and that God does, it would make our heads explode, essentially. Like, we, we just oh, can't fathom sure. it, right? And yeah. uh, when people read this section of Scripture, they're like trying – you know, it's natural for human beings to try to relate it to something that happens in the world. And some people will mm-hmm. go straight to law. And, you know, you make a really good point that our law system has flaws, and it's because we're we're humanly involved. As opposed to it being divine, and um, you know, I think that's a that's a really good distinction that that's necessary. So, so many people they say, you know, I can't come to the cross, or I can't come to God, or I can't even come to church because I'm not good enough. I haven't made up enough for my wrongs, and which is why this is so amazing of what God did. He's like, hey, it doesn't matter how much wrong or how much right you try to do, nothing you do is going to be good enough. Which is why I have to do this for you. And uh, it's just there's just something beautiful about that, that grace. And, you know, the closest. Oh, it's a beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful picture of grace to think that to think that your your debt can be wiped clean in a way that the world often can't do. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. All you have to do is accept it as a gift. Yeah. And that's a huge point, that acceptance, because the only example I could find, and I was trying to do some research before we talked, is the only thing I could see is where in maybe a civil case, someone would step in and pay the debt for someone else, like an actual cash debt. Oh, sure. You could certainly do it in the civil context, yes. And, And, you know, the only – and the only analogous thing to it in the criminal world is often, you know, somebody else can step in and pay a bond, for example – to release a criminal defendant from jail while his case is pending or can step in and pay an attorney's fee, frankly. Uh, but in terms of actually facing the music of the legal consequence for action, mm-hmm. nobody else can do that for you. And, and you know, it's interesting. If someone were to pay someone else's debt in court in one of those feasible ways, there's I think there's an immense sense of guilt and there's an opportunity to potentially work off that debt and pay that person back if that person sure. had that responsible nature about them. But in this sense, there's nothing that you or I can do once that he has bestowed this grace upon us that we can eventually say, all right, we're we're fair and square. And. God knows that, and he says, hey, take this gift and just live for me. You know, you pay it back to me with your life for living for me. And, well, and the other interesting angle to that is you can't make someone else accept God's gift. Exactly you know? right. That's exactly it's very right. personal. And I think just as I'm sitting here, another interesting angle to this, at least in the criminal context, is I think what we – or I think some of the pitfalls or red flags that we run into as believers, if we try to analogize, uh, you know, what what Jesus and, and God the Father have done for us to the legal system, I think we or I struggle with, we kind of fancy ourselves to be the judge or the prosecutor when it comes to somebody else's mess up. But re- really, what we ought to recognize is that we're all defendants uh, and we're all yeah. and we're all equally wrong. So we, you know, we're when it comes to Jesus and his grace, we're not the judge and we're not the prosecutor of somebody else or ourselves. We're the defendant. And all we have to do is accept that grace for our debt to be wiped clean. But far be it from us 
regardless of what anybody's done, and I think you alluded to this, regardless of whether we think we've done a lot wrong or a little wrong, it doesn't matter. We're all defendants, and we're certainly not judges or prosecutors. So if we don't accept that gift, then we're all sitting in the same seat, and it's not the seat we'd like to be sitting in, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Continuing in in the verses that we talk about, verse 27 says, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works to the law. And basically saying we we shouldn't you know, boast that, hey, I, I, I got this paid for me in the sense that I'm scot-free, I can do what I want. That's what it's, it's saying. That's not what this is. This isn't something we should boast about from a, a selfish perspective. It's something we should shout from the rooftops from a perspective of acceptance of grace and um, knowing that we had nothing to do with our, our being set free. It, it was 100% one-way street. God did the work, and there's nothing we could have done for that. Absolutely. All of our responses, once we've been recipients of that gift of grace, is not to judge someone else Mm -hmm. or to accuse someone else, but it's to be overwhelmingly thankful for the freedom that comes with that. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. It's a beautiful scripture. It is. And so my last question as as we close up here um, this afternoon is, so understanding justification the way you do and being a believer and being a a law professional obviously knowing the distinction between the two and then how these two don't don't really compare in the scope of things how does how does the gospel understanding of grace and and mercy and the justification how does that affect how you personally do your job does it make you act different than other law professionals do you feel like yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that it was that it does, Daniel, and I, you know, my prayer is that it would. And I think, you know, we all go through certain ups and downs in our jobs where, you know, we feel like we're really in tune with what God may be trying to do with and through us in our jobs, and then other times where, quite frankly, we just get jaded and skeptical, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I'm yeah. not, and I'm not immune to that either. And I, so I go through ebbs and flows of it. But what I try to You know, what I prayerfully try to do is be intentional with the people that I meet with when it comes to, you know, sharing my faith. If I see the the appropriate opportunity or sometimes even praying with people or if nothing else, just trying to seize an opportunity to speak some Holy Spirit led truth into people's lives. And, you know, just to give you a couple of examples. And hopefully there are lots of other attorneys that are doing that. So, you know, I don't know how other attorneys practice the way they do but i but i really do one of the things i like about law practice the most is the constant interaction with people Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons that i jumped out and went on my own even though i may have left some financial things on the table is because when i'm running my own practice i'm the one having the meetings with the clients and i'm the ones make the one making the decisions and going to court and interacting with everybody and that's that's kind of where i get some of the juice you know for my practice uh, if you will but so in the whether it's the family court context or the criminal context you know obviously i'm doing what i can to be a zealous advocate for my client's interest and to make sure the other side is putting on their proof correctly or the other side did their job right in a way that serves the justice justice system or however you want to articulate it but when i really get a chance to meet with clients who are struggling usually people come to me with their biggest problem and so, you know, they are, and that's a lot of trust, you know, quite frankly. And so when I really get a chance to speak to someone that's kind of at a, at a major low point or coming to me with their biggest problem, I just re- if I see those opportunities to speak some Holy Spirit led truth, I just try to speak to them like, Hey, 
God's got a better plan for you, or he, he created you to be more than this, mm. you know, he, and, and this mistake does not define you, you know, there's more than this out there for you. And sometimes my clients are looking at huge consequences that it's really difficult for them to see past. Uh, but I believe no matter sort of coming full circle to what we've been talking about, no matter how big the mistake, you know, God has a plan for everyone that he's created and his plan includes justification and wiping the slate clean from an eternal standpoint and trying to figure out a way to put them in the middle of his will and his, his path for their lives. And so if I get an opportunity to share that truth with people, and again, I'm not perfect. I probably don't take it every time I see the opportunity because I'm either frustrated that my client's done something stupid or I've had a long day or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imperfect and fallible like everybody else. But if I see an opportunity, I really try to seize that and speak some truth and talk about how God has bigger and better things than this one mistake or than this one situation that you might be battling. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. You know, you make a great point that someone is not defined by a mistake they made just as we, you know, are, are set free and no longer defined by the sins that, you know, that, that we've committed or will commit even. Um, and knowing that that grace kind of expands beyond that. And when he says, you know, when we ask for forgiveness, he says, I'll send it as far as the East is from the West and remember it no more. He means it and says, Hey, move on from this because I know you're, you're more than what you just asked for forgiveness for, because I created you to be more. And, uh, you know, there's something beautiful about that. I know I do, um, I do prison ministry and that's the first thing you have to go in understanding is knowing that no matter what reason this person is in there, um, that they are not outside of the opportunity of receiving God's grace. Yep. And, and there is, there's no line. line. Yeah. And for me, it doesn't matter. We need to constantly be reminding ourselves you know, I need to remind myself, we all need to remind ourselves in humility, you know, what we've been freed from and how thankful we should be for that. And whether, you know, whether we're sitting across the table from a, a, a client that's hurting or struggling or made a big mistake or from a prisoner that's serving out a consequence or from a, you know, from an addicted person in Honduras that's lost everything because they're addicted to one thing or another, we are, we are no different from them, you know, right. but for the grace of Jesus, you know, and if we, if we approach things from that perspective, then, you know, we're not going to try to sit in that judge's chair or the accuser's chair. We're going to try to, to introduce them to that gift of grace and bring them into the fold as a brother and sister in Christ. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're, we're going to close up our time here. Dave, thank you so much for spending some time with, with me and obviously all, all of our listeners that are um, taking in this podcast. Um, just It's really good to get perspective from people who are in certain careers or, or roles that people try to relate scripturally. And, you know, it's good to be able to give distinctions as well as analogies to help people understand and think more about, you know, the ways of God and the things, the things of God. And, you know, I think today we were able to hopefully get people thinking about how great God's gift really was and putting it in perspective of, of humanity. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, Daniel, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure to be on. I love talking about this stuff. And honestly, it's a good it's a good reset button for me to help keep things in a healthy spiritual perspective as we as we all go through the daily grind. So thank you for having me. And uh, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the series. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And, and we'll be in touch soon. Enjoy your good lunch. Hopefully you get to go to lunch now. <laughs>
All right. You do. You as well. Thanks, Daniel. All right. 